It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 146, recorded on Monday the 18th of January 2021. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host Paul Lacey, but we're also joined today by Vito Peleg and Maziar Feruzmund, and we talk about the WordPress news that's happened during the course of this week. There's been quite a lot to talk about. The first thing that we get into is new updates to Gutenberg 9.7, the new user interface, and there's some action in reusable blocks. We also get into the community proposal to decide when we might be going back to live events. What about the fact that WordPress.com are offering to build WordPress websites? Is that going to be competing with you? What about Webflow? Is that a technology that you've heard of before? Is it something you've dabbled in? It's not WordPress, but it could be useful. There's a new show and hide block plugin, which we very briefly talk about. And also we briefly talk about WP scan and the fact that they're now allowed to create CVE numbers for security vulnerabilities that crop up. And then we get into the interesting subject of tracking Facebook, Google, etc. Is it all too much? Well, you can find out today on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you this week by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress Block Editor. Check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Good afternoon. Hopefully you can hear me. It is This Week in WordPress episode. I've no idea. It's 140-something, but we're into the 140s. It might be 146. I'm not entirely sure. Um, joined today, um, as always, by Paul Lacey, who is the, the regular a co-host, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. Um, I'm also joined by Vito Peleg, who's got some uh, interesting things that have happened to him this week, and also by um, Max. I'm going to say Max, but Max, I apologise. I have forgotten the pronunciation of your surname. Would you kindly help me out? I'm so sorry. Sure, that's expectable. Um, uh, the right pronunciation is Marziar. Okay, okay, well, we'll go with that. Um, Marz Marziar, okay. That's right, that's right. You're perfect. Oh, good. That's a, very, very seldom does anybody say those words to me. So that's great. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about all of the bits and pieces that have happened in the WordPress news for this week. Some of it strays off topic a little bit, and we don't necessarily always talk about WordPress, but we'll start try to stay uh, on message. Just a couple of things. I'm going to share the screen. I'm sorry if you're listening to the audio. Um, you obviously can't share the screen with us, but here we go anyway. WPBuilds.com, head over to there. That's where we produce most of our content. We've got podcast episodes and news episodes, rather like you're listening to now. If you want to keep in touch with all that, head over to this link, the subscribe link at the top, WPBuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Got a Facebook group. I think it eclipsed 2,800 users this week which was really nice it's a very friendly facebook group somehow we've managed to avoid all the incendiary things that tend to happen online so go and join that uh what else have we got we've got a, a deals page if you want to avail yourself of a wordpress deal this week go over to that check it out searchable filterable those products never disappear and then this is a little bit clumsy but i'm going to try it anyway if you if you want to keep in touch with what we do in terms of this we produce a newsletter and you'll, you'll get that by signing up with this gray form on the subscribe page. 
and then we'll send you on Tuesday a newsletter, and it will contain links to what you're currently watching. So if you don't manage to get through it or you miss it one week, then there'll be links to that. But we'll also have links to all of the other bits and pieces that we missed out of today because we just didn't have time. And they look a bit like this. So there you go. Um, right. If it's okay with you guys, I'm going to hand straight over to Mr. Paul Lacey because he's sort of leading us uh, on several of these items. And he's, in fact, leading us on the first one, which is entitled Gutenberg 9.7 something, something, something by Justin Tatlock. Yeah, we've just had a news flash in, though, that we need to cover something before that. There's, I know people people who are just listening to this won't uh, be able to appreciate what we're talking about here. But, you know, guys, what's the elephant in the room here? Come on. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh, I don't know. Well, last week it was my midlife crisis and I dyed my beard a little bit darker, but Max has just brought back yes. the facial hair uh, theme <laughs> this week in absolute style and is sporting an absolutely awesome moustache that <laughs> makes me feel really jealous and oh, envious. That you, is absolutely Sorry, amazing. It's yeah, really amazing. Now, now I can do something like that. It will never look so <laughs> nice and full. It's brilliant. Yeah. It was like brilliant. 10 years ago or something, I had the mustache like this. So I really wanted to make it something that I won't miss another 10 years. That's why I went this this harsh mustache. <laughs> sorry for uh, the it's surprise. Great. That's it's awesome. Great. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Back to so, um, news flash. You need the breaking uh, news, uh, you know. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Breaking yeah. news. Yeah. <laughs> The, the facial hair news has escalated to new heights, I think, this week. So let's see what happens next week anyway. Um, okay, so the first article, uh, the actual WordPress article that uh, we're talking about is Gutenberg 9.7 dropped last week sometime. Um, for anyone who's not sure, Gutenberg is the block editor within WordPress, but the Gutenberg plugin is kind of like the experimental side of the whole project where a lot of the new features appear first. So uh, the plugin drops. You don't have to install the plugin if you're using the core WordPress. You can just use the, the core block editor. But if you want to see the, the latest features that are going on, then you can install the actual plugin and you'll be able to see the kind of things that they're working on. A lot of the things that they do inside the Gutenberg plugin, some of them come through to core, and then other ones, if they decide it's not yet ready, they push it aside and maybe uh, concentrate on that later. So Justin Tadlock on WP Tavern has done a great article that kind of summarizes what's new in Gutenberg 9.7. I'd say it's a fairly techie update. There is some user experience updates in terms of um, there's always a few kind of little bits and bobs uh, going on there. One of the, the main ones is uh, they have these things called block variations. And the example that uh, Justin gives here is that let's say, for instance, you've got the video block. Uh, when you add the video block, you might pop in a YouTube URL or you might pop in a Vimeo URL, for instance, into that block. And then what the, uh, the, use, the new user experience improvement does on block variables is in your kind of block inspector on the side where you can see a list of the different blocks that you're using or what block you're editing at the moment. It knows, for instance, that because you've popped a YouTube link in there that, uh, that this is now a YouTube block technically, even though it's a video block. So it's just some little improvements there that I guess are based on feedback of other people using it. Uh, one of the other things that is updated is there's a change to um, reusable blocks. So reusable blocks, I didn't realize this, but Justin mentions in the 
in the article that reusable blocks seems to be a feature of the Gutenberg editor that has been probably a little bit left to the side for a while. It's not really been actively developed too much. And Justin tells us in the article that one of the changes, they've made a change to the kind of how, how we can edit reusable blocks. So we can actually now using the Gutenberg editor, so far as I understand it, edit a reusable block in the page that we're currently editing. And when we get to save the page, it asks us, do you just want to save the page or do you want to also save the all the iterations of the reusable block changes that you've, you've made? Um, it's an interesting idea. And um, when I saw it, I understood it mainly because Justin had explained it to me, but I, I think that this one will, in my opinion, be be something that people will struggle to get their head around when they're saving something they've got to kind of agree to for instance saving two or three different items on a page plus the page so we'll have to see how that one how that one kind of uh, goes down and then finally the last thing in the article um one of the one of the last main things in here is something called page templates for full site editing now even after reading justin's article i still didn't really understand what this was all about um, so if anyone else here in the panel does, that would be great. But it seems that uh, there's, 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 a, there's kind of some kind of new feature coming in for the concept of page templates in full site editing. And Justin has some interesting comments because I do feel that Justin is someone that, that fully tests these kind of features and does know the implications. He seems to be raising a couple of concerns about the concept of how they're doing it. And then there's a good a bit of discussion in the comments as well. So I think this one is particularly interesting to anybody who is developing themes as, um, as opposed to end users. So if anyone's got any comments on that in the panel, um, go ahead. But that's that's more or less the summary of that that particular article. I'll just make one quick comment, and it's about the um, the reusable blocks. I, I totally agree. I've, I've used reusable blocks quite a bit. And I find the current workflow is really less than desirable in that they, when you when you load, let's say, a reusable block, you have the option immediately to save it. And I always mistake that for, um, for making it into um, an editable, just a regular block. And I never quite remember that I've got to do that. And so I'll amend it. In my case, it's, it's just simply putting a... Uh, you know, there's paragraphs pre-filled out for the different sections of the of the news and things like that. Um, and I always click save after I've added loads of content in and then think, oh, no, I needed to decouple it. And so I think I think there's quite a lot of improvement to be made. Um, and, and I'm sure that that will happen in the future. But you've kind of got to find the right menu, make it, detach it, make it into a regular block. And all of the language around that doesn't doesn't feel right, you know, to make it into a regular block doesn't tell me that I'm decoupling it from its usable, reusable status. So I think you're right. I think there's quite a bit of work to be done. Yeah, and Justin's um, actually created his own plugin that helps, not necessarily yep. reusable blocks, but I know he, he, he's got a plugin and there's another plugin um, that I use as well that helps you do things like convert reusable blocks to block patterns. And I, I feel that the block pattern concept resonates it makes a lot more sense to me uh, but i did have a problem with where you would find your block patterns it was always a bit clunky but i did notice when i was using the block editor just the other day that when you start searching for blocks it was now returning patterns as well which was useful it might have been doing that for a long time but now at least i don't have to you know click you know to the plus button then 
click show all, then go over to the left and click on patterns, then scroll down and find the pattern, which was a bit of a laborious process. It seems that either it was already there or, or I didn't notice it. But um, so it seems that things are improving. But as usual, I think this, this article to show that there's so much conceptual level thinking and uh, I think that the, the entire team and the entire concept, I, I, I think they're possibly struggling to pull all this together. I think I, I don't want to criticize them for it because they're doing great work, but I think that um, they're struggling. I think that this is a very difficult project, the entire Gutenberg thing, the block editor. And uh, yeah, I think they're struggling from, from what I can see, from what mm -hmm. I can see. To a, to my product, I will see those kind of things rolled out. Thanks, Max. Anybody? Go, uh, sorry, sure. I'd like to say that I really appreciate and uh, support any attempt for reusability in any uh, content builder. We had this problem for a while in Elementor, if you guys remember. So they, uh, there, there was extensions, including our own extension, WonderWP, just for reusability of styles and you know um, block templates. And then they all uh, also added this feature. So uh, reusability is really a challenge, maybe, maybe one of the biggest challenges for designers, web designers, content producers. So I'm sure this is a good step forward, but for sure there are some more um, room for improvement of uh, reusability capabilities. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that um, uh, in most websites, you probably have this, some sections that repeat over multiple pages uh, and I'm I'm still not sure like how is it going to work here in terms of managing them. So if I want to change, if I want to edit the reusable block, and will it change it throughout, or will it just uh, um, resave it? Will it kind of go through the other pages? So what what Elementor did there was uh, basically they created another tab in the WordPress admin that allows you to manage all of your uh, reusable assets, the templates essentially they call it templates. I think that this might be a, a good point. And we also saw that with uh, with our page because we have like a Gutenberg template that we're sharing, um, like a wireframe template that we share with our users and, and no one can, all, can ever find where to deploy this because uh, it's so hidden in the, you know, like uh, under like five, seven clicks until you, you get to the, to the right location. So I think that starting to think about as, the, as Gutenberg expands, and it does expand uh, from uh, from week to week. Uh, started to think about uh, additional tabs inside the WordPress admin to allow you to manage more granular things. I think that this is kind of a uh, becomes a necessity now, especially with those kind of stuff. Yeah, we covered we covered a few different projects over the weeks, haven't we, Paul? Where the people have Im implemented different versions of the UI. So rather than having that customizer width section where everything goes including things which really do need a bit more breathing space like reusable uh, sorry block patterns which it would be really helpful if you could see a big version of it lots of people trying out different things taking over the full screen a little bit like right. like things like elementor and beaver builder do and i think the idea of constraining everything in that little sidebar just seems a little bit a little bit silly and something that will have to be dropped uh, in the near future no, there was we... something about previews here on this article specifically that uh, is being added so you can really see a little more of what you're trying to do yeah, yeah this guy yeah like these 
Um, yeah. yeah, this is. I, I think. I think this is quite nice. Um, it's a. Is it a rollover thing though? I don't think it's there by default. It'd be nice if that was. Uh, I can't remember how this is implemented, but yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Shall we move on, Paul? Do you want to do your next one? Yep. Sure. Okay. So the next article again is from WordPress Tavern. And it's um, by Sarah Gooding, this one, and it's entitled WordPress Community Team Proposes Using a Decision Checklist to Restart Local Events. So <coughs> it seems that the discussion on make.wordpress.org uh, began in late December to start discussing how do we return to face-to-face uh, -face, in-person events in the world of COVID-19, for instance. And um, I think that what they're probably talking about mainly at the beginning is things like WordPress meetups, uh, the smaller events. But obviously, that's probably the best place to start because if you can get that right, then obviously you can scale that up. And I think that the challenge that they're talking about here is that the meetings that they're really talking about are the kind of officially sanctioned WordPress meetups. Um, by I think is it automatic who sanctions them? I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, so the the official meetups and then and then leading up to the actual WordCamps, and I think it is a tricky one because there's so many different factors here. So for example, if you go to the WordPress meetup in London, just the regular meetup, that can be a bigger event that happens every month than a uh, a full on WordCamp that happens elsewhere in the UK in a smaller smaller city or a smaller town, for instance. So the, the situation is just different. And then the situation is different in every single country. And then also you've got to, you've got to kind of, if you've got a checklist, then you've got to be concerned about, okay, at time, you've got the checklist at time of organizing, and then you've got the checklist a week before, and then you've got the checklist on the day. And obviously safety comes first from every situation. So there's a there's five points there's five main points here that, that are worth reading out in terms of the um, in terms of what they've got on the checklist and those are is your country's or state's average positivity rate over the last 28 days under four percent for COVID-19. Uh, number two is in the last 28 days has your country or area's basic reproduction number stayed under one. Number three is. In the past 14 days, have there been under 50 new cases per 100,000 people reported? Number four, does your local government allow for in-person events, which that's clearly a, a critical one? And number five, is there a cap on the number of people who can meet at a time? And will you, as an organizer, follow this guideline? So I think the when I read this, it, this, I think depending on where you are in the world, you will just read this and feel more optimistic or more pessimistic. Um, three of us out of the four today are in the UK, and we're probably reading that list and thinking that we're not going to see any in-person events, maybe even in 2021, because yeah, here in the UK, yeah. we're, we're doing a great job of, you know, going way outside of those kind of numbers here in the UK. And um and also, uh, the stats are different in all kinds of places. Where I heard that in Australia, there's, there's sporting events going on. People can go and watch cricket matches. And, and so the situation is different in all different places. So I do think that this is cool that they've got this list, which does mean that at least in certain parts of the world, if you meet in the checklist, then there's a, there's a possibility that you can start looking at having in-person events. 
Um, I don't know what everyone else thinks about this, but you know, certainly from the UK point of view, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a reality check for me looking at that list. And, and I think it's really interesting happen. from two different sides. Firstly, I'm I'd be really keen on a personal level to go back to events as soon as it's possible. Yeah, me too. But I, I don't know um, what that feels like yet. Um, certainly within my local area would be something that I'd be more willing to tr to try out, you know, let's say Leeds in my case, but then perhaps a little bit later progressing to other parts of the UK, London and so on. And then finally thinking about getting on planes would be kind of like the last version of that. But imagine that you're an organiser. Imagine the trepidation of getting 90% of your WordCamp organized, ready to go, even if it's just a meetup, let's just say it's a meetup. It's a lot of work to suddenly be tripped up by one of those five hurdles. And it's something for which you have no, you just have no control over that. You don't, you, it's a completely moving target. And so I wonder what the impact of people willing these events into reality, the people who are organizing these, I wonder how, how much less likely they're going to be to committing to, to doing the event simply because with, with you know, with no intervention on your part, the 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 rug could be pulled from underneath your feet immediately. So yeah, two sides. I'm dead keen to go, but I can also understand why there might be far less of these events in the foreseeable future until the world has really generally calmed down a bit. I think that it's uh, well. I'm on the same page as you, Nathan. Like I can't wait for events to come back. Uh, yeah, I haven't left the house in a year, uh, so uh, so that would be great. Um, but um, but that being said, like I don't, I think that the government has has those guidelines in place uh, for uh, for any type of uh, uh, of you know group of people that are gathering. Uh, so uh, if I, if it was me, you know, like first of all, like you can't do events, at least not in the UK. Uh, but for countries that you can do, or they already have, I imagine that, you, like you said, Paul, in Australia, they're running sporting events and stuff like that. I'm sure there's already a list of guidelines or a checklist that uh, these guys need to go through anyway. So I can see why to create that additional layer for the organizers, for the sponsors that might be supporting an event and might like lose the sponsorship because the venue was hired, the pizza was ordered or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh, um, so I would just stick with point four, and that would be my suggestion for them. Stick with point four, and if it's allowed, then check the guidelines in your local area. But I also think that it's gonna take a long time before people feel comfortable going. You know, so even after it's allowed, uh, you know, as much as I want to go, I'll probably still stay on the fence for a couple of months after it's already coming out because we've already seen this year that. Uh, like, like you said, it's a moving target and nothing is certain. And something that seems very clear in one week, then the other week you have like another strand or, you know, another mutation of it. And then the whole, the whole deck gets reshuffled. So, yeah, I think we're still um, at least a year away from that, I would say. Um, Leo, Leo, oh, sorry, Max, you carry on. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, from the point of view of Istanbul, I want to say that the answer to the question listed in this article is almost uh, no to all of them. So mm -hmm. uh, no event is allowed. Uh, you know, there are different kind of limits, the lockdown times and everything. 
uh, even unlike UK, restaurants, bars, and everything like that, every place like that is completely shut down right now in Turkey. And I can completely agree with you guys that we all cannot wait for, um, you know, in-person meetings. Honestly, I really do not feel anything like the in-person meetings. When coming to virtual meetings we, we have in a marketing team or uh, any such, um, you know, meetup meetings. Um, but thing is, it doesn't uh, look like anything, uh, you know, possible uh, anytime soon. When I'm looking at the situation, both in the global level and in Turkey. And the, the amount of work that it takes, uh, it, it's devastating for the organizers. I, I um, helped, I actually organized um, one of these meetings in VP and uh, WP Translation Day two years ago. And I have helped some other events, but this one I was the organizer. And I saw closely how much of work it takes and preparation it takes, even for a event uh, at that scale, which is not comparable to a, um, you know, WordCamp. But just like um, you guys say, it takes a lot of time and suddenly it can change. This, uh, you know, you sleep and the day after you see something has changed, the, the lockdown times has changed and such. So uh, given the fact that, um, you know, uh, Ordation canceled WordCamp Europe 2021 very early last year, uh, like if, I guess a month after WordCamp or two, three months after WordCamp Europe 2020, uh, and I was actually very disappointed for that. It, it was actually interesting for me to see that this is something in the plans right now, like considering the possibility of, uh, you know, restoring local WordCamps. I really look forward to that and I wish the best of luck for, for the team behind it. But the situation, the local situation that I'm uh, here in Istanbul, it doesn't look uh, like that. Yeah, I guess the local situation is going to be the one that we're almost keenly focused on if we can just get to something nearby that will be a start but um yeah a few comments around this um sabrina zidane saying um it sounds like a lot of extra work for the organizers which indeed it does um, but like i think it was Vito said it's probably just the same set of regulations that your government would require you to to put in place anyway um and we also had leo mindel saying um seems like there's no reason at the moment to to even try planning an in-person event because you'd well just stay online he says and make it work that way and then we'll have to see this is going to be an interesting one because at some point it will happen but they'll i guess it'll just be like the dam breaking maybe maybe i don't know the government just have to say on from one day to the next that yep you're allowed in the uk to do this now or you're allowed to travel outside of the uk to do this Let's wait and see. It's such a weird one because we, we're in a strange community where there's no profit in this. So, you know, the Australian sporting event, there must be a real need for that to go on to, to get somebody's job working, you know, to, to get somebody paid. But we don't really need to do that. And sorry, Vito, I realise I talked over you about four times there. <laughs> like, I wonder if it's going to be like a dam breaking. I think it's more going to be like, you know, starting to drip in mm -hmm. and uh, and it's going to be a process over a course of hopefully 2022 when uh, uh when people start to go back to you know to real life yeah yeah um speaking of which i didn't actually put this in the show notes but i think it's probably a good one to mention the there's a there's an event happening uh yeah in just four days time 22nd of january wordfest we mentioned it last year we had uh, sorry last week we had michelle frechette on and she's one of the lead organizers along with 
I suspect Leo um, is involved in some way, and certainly the, the WP and up, as was now Big Orange Heart team, are involved. So just a quick plug for them, wordfest.live. Uh, it's a 24-hour event covering four time zones, and if you go just here, you'll be able to see the, the list of sessions and so on, and you can register with this register link just here, but it's absolute boatload of stuff happening, and it's all happening this Friday. Um, yeah, I'm hopefully going to be in some way, shape, or form involved. Right, I'm going to move it away from inline events, and I'm going to go to this one. This is not a new piece of news, right? We covered this last week, so Vito and uh, Max, sorry, we're, we're sort of re-going re over some old ground, but the reason I've mentioned this one again for the second time is because I just thought it was interesting that a non-WordPress website, in this case, we're looking at a search engine journal article, have picked this up. And for me, that kind of demonstrates that this is actually of interest to the wider world. And it's it's this piece about WordPress.com now offering website development at this starting price of like $4,900 or whatever it might be. And there was a few interesting things which just caught my attention. And it was that they, they put in some Twitter feeds of people from both sides of the argument. So you have some people saying, look, it's fine. It will grow the pie. The pie is going to get bigger because of this. And then there was another piece which we didn't follow last week. We didn't really talk about. And that was the, the ability for WordPress to use the word WordPress. And I'd forgotten that. No, None of us are allowed to use that word to advertise. I mean, we are in terms of, you know, we can say we build WordPress websites, but we can't say we are WordPress. And I mentioned the search engine juice that, that you would imagine WordPress.com will get. You know, if you're going to type in WordPress website for $5,000, you can imagine what's going to come out as number one. So I just thought it was interesting that another news outlet, which is tangentially related to WordPress, but in this case, um, search engine and side of things, picked it up. To be honest, for most people, for I would say like 98% of uh, even it, not, not just the world, but even inside the community, the differentiation between .com and .org is still very vague. Yeah. Um, and like really understanding that the .org is the open source product and .com is the commercial uh, company behind uh, uh, behind it all, essentially leveraging what is done by the community on the .org to create like um like the biggest multi-site in the history uh, on that platform. So yeah, this this discussion is is coming back again and again when it comes to. Uh, the ability, because like you're saying, it's not it's not a matter of just using the name, which is awesome for SEO for them, uh, but it's also using the logo and there's yeah. all kinds of uh, of stuff that are um, that uh, Matt has kind of given specific uh, allocations for his own company to use the same name as a product that is being developed by. Uh, you know, by the community and uh, and supported by like by by a charity essentially. Uh, here in the UK, this wouldn't fly. It's against the law. If you would do something like that as a charity in the UK, uh, you would have to you, ha you would have to uh, choose either that or that, and one would have to change the name. You can't run the, a company with the same brand name as a charity, uh, but because exactly of that. And here in the UK, they're very much on regulation around the. Uh, Around uh, uh, you know nonprofits and stuff like that, which uh, I know that in the U.S. things are a little more uh, you know capitalistic, so they're a little more kind of uh, uh, um, 
there's a lot more leeway when it comes to those kind of things. Uh, but I think it's a very fair point uh, for um, for all of us. So, you know, we're sitting here talking about a product that then someone else is taking this name that we're that we keep saying a thousand times during this broadcast and uh, capitalizes on that. It's a, it's a very fair point. I am. Um, I kind of read the story and then looked at a few comments on it, and most of them were fairly sanguine. Most of them were sort of like, "Ah, it'll be fine. Don't worry." But I've got one on the screen from I, I don't know this person, Jack uh, Kitter Kitterhing, um, with the Twitter handle Code Monkey underscore Jack, who kind of I think sums up the 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 side of things who who think this is a bad move on automatic spark he says absolutely ridiculous that they have done this in my opinion if they wanted to it shouldn't be on wordpress.com no one else can use wordpress in quotes in a domain it's like hey you all made wordpress popular now we're going to steal your customers <laughs> and then evil laugh and then you got the other side of things so for example jonathan bossinger uh if i can find that quote where's it gone uh, here we go. Playing devil's advocate. Um, what if this just makes the pie even bigger as more people move to WordPress and when their need grows beyond WordPress.com offers, they move to self-hosted alternatives. And then there was. So I think that the that the plans that they're offering is not on the multi-site. It is it is self-hosted. Yeah. The point of what they're doing is they're uh, allowing people to come out of this closed uh, closed environment of WordPress.com. Uh, over to um, you know over to more customizable environments, which I imagine also means that it's self-hosted or at least hosted differently and using the uh, the open uh, the open source uh, product to expand it with product with uh, plugins and themes and whatever that is uh, uh, created by the by the community w uh, as opposed to you know WordPress.com that is very very closed uh, in its uh, level of functionality. So. Yeah. Like they are building what we are building. It's like it's a straight. It's it's you know some some people don't mind the competition. I don't think it's gonna be much of a big deal, but it is a competition that is like super clear. Yeah, the this this is a comment made by Matt Mullenweg on the fourth of January. So this is right back before the debate really got started, and he says, "I would be extremely surprised if this impacts anyone's consulting business. If you do have a current or potential client, leave for it. Uh, let me know. I don't know whether he means on Twitter or how you would do that, but let me know. It should be all new to WP users who wouldn't have been successful getting started. So he's obviously." I don't know whether that will prove to be the case, but the intention on the 4th of January was to pitch this to people who've never used WordPress before. In other words, he's trying to stop the, the migration of possible new customers to alternatives like Squarespace and Wix. But I don't know how you would determine if somebody truly was new to WordPress or not. We'll, only time will tell. Uh, Paul, so Max, this... anything on this? Sorry, Peter. Thanks, Peter. I want to say, do you think this we can interpret this as uh, WordPress VIP is expanding from um, high end sector of the market to mid end sector of the market? Maybe they are trying to expand their market uh, fit, let's say, for that service. This is how I'm getting, I mean, interpreting this move. Yeah, Matt exactly Medeiros put exactly. out a video. Yeah, Matt Medeiros put out a video where he said that he he would you know he he it's pretty clear that he's he thinks this is a, a bad move. 
in the video he did. I think he, I think the video was called something like I call it WordPress with small cap, small W, small P. You can search it uh, YouTube. And and he was he was pontificating that yeah that was that's the play is start at four thousand nine hundred and then when that works and you've got the playbook figured out then cut it in half go to two and a half thousand and then cut it in half again and till eventually you've got I think he said something like five hundred dollars till you've got the five hundred dollar template which is also possible and uh, that's the fear um, but I don't know certainly from if we're to believe what Matt says in that tweet and time will tell then that's not what they're trying to pitch but yeah so what do you see and we know that as as uh as a consultant as agencies it happens that uh you have people starting to build something on wordpress.com or starting to build something on squarespace or wix and then they go to an agency or a professional to create the next level of product for them and here they have uh they have like a a built-in funnel inside the product you know something that i don't know if squarespace uh, offers or shopify offers uh, uh, in in that same way so like it really does uh, you know affect the uh, you know i don't know if someone can like if an agency a small agency in the uk can say this it's gonna kill my business uh but it is a natural flow of people starting with free products like wix or really cheap products like wix or dot com and then moving on to us as agencies. So, like, you know, it's it's bound to happen. What is this what is saying is not gonna happen. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if it was really successful and there was absolute proof that people's agencies had been directly affected. I wonder if this could wonder if automatic would just box it up and put it to one side and say, look, that project was was bad for our community. <laughs> let's let's just shelve it. Although it was profitable for us and it was working well, let's just put it on one side but it's, again it's not it's not the community exactly like the word.com is a different company it's a different yeah. product you know yeah so yeah. like uh, they, they don't have any uh, they don't have any uh, reason to consider the .org community uh, even though i'm sure that they will just from pr kind of uh, point of view but like uh, you know if you're, if you're looking at it in a dry kind of way it's it's a it's completely two different products it just happened that they are called exactly the same <laughs> um, a good segue from here, Paul, if you've got nothing else to add for this, we could go to your Webflow piece if you wanted. Mm, yeah, sure. The last thing I'd just say on this one is um, Matt Mullenwake obviously there um, says he'd be extremely surprised if this impacts anyone's consulting business and does kind of give the offer out that if you are getting affected, please let him know. And um, But we did speak to someone, I'm not going to say who it was, who's... Um, who had some good opinions on this whole situation. And uh, this person, uh, in response to that, pointed out uh, Matt Mullenweg's Twitter, what is it, your description, your profile, your, the, the sentence underneath your name, basically. And it says, Matt Mullenweg, I can think, I can wait, I can fast. And I think that's one of the points from a business perspective of automatic is that they don't have to rush anything. So yeah, they might not affect any digital agencies or freelancers at this point. But if you kind of look at the mindset of automatic and the slow burn that they can do on a strategy like this, then yeah, it's going to be very difficult to see the immediate impact on anything, but it will, I think. Um, but in different ways that we might not expect it and we might not be able to figure out right now. 
Lovely comment in in the comment thread from With Mike's over on YouTube. Uh, Devil's advocate position: What if WP.com is just better at doing it? <laughs> what, what if? Ah, <laughs> then we've really got something to actually worry about. Okay, can one, Second, uh, you can, uh, of course, Max. Yeah. So, if you remember last time we were talking about Envato's decision or uh, the news that they are promoting. Uh, Envato elements uh, banners when um, you know actual authors are promoting their their products there. So it's it's actually it was raising almost the same kind of same type of um, you know protests, and it's understandable. However, I really want to give this a time and see the actual you know um, consequences because WordPress VIP, for example, was there for a long time. And there was agencies who were partnering with WordPress VIP or they were working independently. And it, I mean, it was working. The economy was working. Uh, so we should see if this um, hypothesis of you know stealing business because of the SEO juice or something is actually damaging others' businesses or not. Mm -hmm. If it happens, it's really, it's really disappointing. It's like WordPress leveraging on the trust um, that was built by the entire community um, so out of sudden, so I, um, you know, I hope that this that this won't be the case, uh, and uh, the economy will continue to grow for both independent think, uh, freelancers, agencies, and automatic itself. I think that out of the VIP uh, product, I think that VIP is like the biggest uh, corporate level or enterprise level uh, agency in the world. So they already cornered the market on that, to, on that, you know, on the high end part, uh, which I'm sure that there's a lot of agencies that would have wanted some of uh, the action, uh, you know, building a, 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 the New York Times uh, blog or something like that, you know. Mm. Uh, so it already happened. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, yeah I would have taken the New York Times website, for example. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. Anybody want to rebuild TechCrunch? The there was chatter, and I can't remember whether it was in this article that we just had on the screen or or if it was elsewhere. There was chatter about them taking on agency partnerships, but I can't remember whether that was yeah. just a yeah. They did, did something that, with did Upwork. They tried to yeah. do something with Upwork for a okay. while. Um, which I think that's a that's an appropriate kind of way of doing it. Um uh, but, you know, like under the same point that you said, Max, uh, uh, with Envato, now Elemental also had it like uh, I think a few months ago. They also released some kind of a, a platform yeah. like this um, that is more competing with the dot-com than with the agency level. Um, and it's it would be like Elemental would start building websites, basically, you know, yeah. leveraging yeah. the name that everyone was using this and starting building uh, like agency websites of three grand or so. It just seems wrong. Or let's say me with the, with the WP feedback, uh, serving agencies and then also building websites at scale under the same brand name that they placed on everyone's on clients' websites. It just yeah. seems like yeah, like a backdoor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Do you think maybe the same thing as uh, WordPress VIP partnership can happen in this? Uh, you know, pro within well, that, this program as well, like agencies yeah. who help uh, automatic help people build uh, websites. Yeah, like unfortunately, I've got a memory fail on this, but that is, that is, I'm sure what I've read is somebody talking about, whether it was on Twitter or, or if it was automatic proposing, I can't remember, but I think there is a plan for that. If anybody's got any insight in this, probably not in the 
um, in the comment thread at the moment, but I don't know if anybody does listen to this and knows. Mm. I would genuinely like to know what the thinking is. Um, there was talk that it was going to Codable, I think, but um, hopefully, as far as we know as well, uh, Nathan and I talked to Matt Medeiros just the other day, and uh, he was saying that it's very likely that he's interviewing Matt Mullenweg um, yeah. exclusively about this particular um, aspect, or or if it's not exclusively about this, it's about the general business machine, the corporate machine part of automatic that is is quite clear is is moving at whatever pace it is, even if it's a slow one, it's moving and it's got a lot of money behind it. It's got a lot of power and it's got the community's well-being and it's in the palm of its hand in a way. Mm. Um, but yeah, that probably does segue us to the next um, item, which is about a alternative product. So if you are an agency or a freelancer, and you've been exclusively work, working with WordPress, uh, the software to develop websites, then there hasn't been a ton of alternatives to, to genuinely feel absolutely confident in because within the open source community, WordPress is obviously the, the main one. And if you were looking for something like for like as a kind of no code or semi coder kind of person, there wasn't a ton of alternatives. Apart from there is a couple of commercial ones, and one of them is Webflow. Uh, I've looked at Webflow a number of times over the years, and I've never jumped in it myself. Uh, but I know a lot of people who have migrated from WordPress to Webflow, and those people are agencies and they are freelancers. And from, from what I understand of Webflow, it is a pretty fantastic product at what it does, and it's doing more and more stuff all of the time. Um, Webflow has been trading in uh, profit for a number of years, making quite a lot of profit. And they recently have just announced that they've acquired $140 million of Series B uh, funding. Uh, they even say in this article, which is on the Webflow website, on webflow.com, they even say that they didn't even really need the money. They said that they could carry on, but they felt that if any time there was a, an opportunity to to move to the next level, it was now. And they said that they, they gained over 10,000 new customers over 2020 than they were expecting as a result of most likely of COVID. Now, uh, Webflow taking 140 million here gives people a product that they can feel extremely confident is not going anywhere, even in a global economic downturn. So I think this is the case that as Automatic does kind of cause problems for the agency or the, what Matt Medeiros might, might call the, always term the, the blue collar WordPress implementer or the blue collar WordPress designer or developer, that there are now other options and you can cut your losses and go somewhere else. And um, it's definitely something I'm looking at. I don't think I'd be fully migrating away from WordPress anytime soon, but I look at Webflow as a product and I think, my user persona is pretty close to what they're talking about. You know, when you when, invested so much already. Yeah, when you were looking at it in the past, because I confess I've literally never used it. I, I've I've probably seen twenty seconds of people doing screen demos of yep. it, and I just thought, oh, that's interesting. That looks that looks really nice to look at. What? Why did you? What what was it, A, that prompted you to have a look? Is it just sort of shiny object syndrome? Or did you genuinely hear from people that it's good and it po possibly could do the work that you need it to do? And why didn't you start using it? It's it's very aimed at the corporate brochure type website. Okay. So 
uh, and they've they figured out what those kind of what that particular persona needs and they provided all of the tools there for you to do that and all of the flexibility to do other things as well so if you are an agency or a freelancer probably the typical person doing that kind of job 80% of their work is brochure sites and when you look at wordpress.org as a platform you need to combine maybe 10 maybe maybe even up to 20 maybe sometimes even more plugins to give your give yourself the functionality that you might typically need for that kind of site then you've got the care plan type stuff that you need to do not because you just want to make profit because wordpress sites for corporate for corporate requirements are naturally um, going to have security issues they're naturally going to break at times and yeah if you want to go down a different route then webflow is something for that as well there's also a number of um, commercial reasons someone might move because there are people now who businesses who are aware that they've been burnt by WordPress before, whether they were burnt by a, a WordPress developer rather than the software. But from their perspective, they they might have felt last year cost us a hundred thousand pounds in in loss because of because of what they deem as WordPress. It was actually the developer maybe or the the consultant. But they heard someone else was doing really well with Webflow and didn't have any of these problems. So there's there's thousands of businesses now looking for Webflow developers, looking for Webflow agencies. And and that's that's a commercial opportunity for anyone with the same skills that are operating within WordPress. So it's it's uh, if I was um, Automatic right now, I'd probably be looking at Webflow as a serious competitor. I think that Automatic can outdo Wix. I think that they can outdo Squarespace, but uh, Webflow is a different beast and they've just acquired $140 million. That's a lot of money. If somebody gave me $140 million, it would be completely breathtakingly large amounts of money. But I wonder what $140 million in this, with this, They're already trading at a profit. Yeah. They're already trading at a profit. So uh, they have a stable product and hosting is part of their um, their, their whole setup there. So I think this, this will allow them to just take it to another level. And yeah. This is this is a big threat to automatic in my opinion because this company knows how to market and not have to hide what they're doing. They mm. can just say this is who we're targeting, this is what we're doing. We're a business and we're here for our customers. The comment thread again with Mike's on YouTube saying that that's the, the problem is that it's not extensible. It uh, doesn't have the sort of same architecture like WP does um, which enables you to do anything with added plugins and so on and so forth i don't know is if if that is true then yeah that is a bit of a drawback but so, if the the target market is just this mm. one type of website which it fulfills admirably yes i would imagine it is a threat you can you can extend it quite a lot further especially you can hybrid it with uh, wordpress now as well there is a plugin called udisly and i think it's, i think it's udisly.com uh, i'm not sure but if you google udisly or webflow wordpress converter you will find it i know a few people now who are using the udisly plugin they they create their their website in webflow and then they convert it to wordpress using udisly which converts it into a theme and a plugin a bit kind of like let's say combining generatepress and generatepress premium uh, it integrates with woocommerce and all of those kind of things so you can create your base brochure site uh, in Webflow and enjoy the amazing code output that you'll get from that, plus the the absolute pinpoint no code control that you've got over the design compared to something like the block editor, 
then you can push it to WordPress and you can add another layer of functionality there as well. Can you go so backwards and forwards with that? Can you then, you, can. you know, yeah, make an you amendment? Can. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's, there's ways to kind of sync it backwards and forwards. So you've got kind of the design level in one place and then you've got the functionality level on another. So there's, there's a lot of stuff happening in Webflow and uh, it'd be interesting to see the progress. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, we wanted to actually segue before we go to number five. Um, Nathan, I know we're, we're probably running out of time, but um, we, I think, accidentally someone found out the other day that uh, Vito's product, WP Feedback, is um, rebranding. And um, the reason I, I checked with Vito before this that we could ask about this, because it seemed to me from what I saw in the rebrand that, Vito, you were moving away from being attached to WordPress, the word, or WP to uh, a word that your new brand doesn't have the word WordPress in. And it also seemed to me that you were also moving towards a SaaS direction as well. So I just wondered, and I also heard your interview on Dopey Tonic, which was really good. And um, it, was a, it was a different interview that I'd heard from you, Vito, um, because this was more reflective and it was talking about the future. And you were talking about the masses of problems that you had as a result of things like the Gutenberg editor or the jQuery removal and, and the whole ecosystem changing so much. And I wondered, being as we're talking about an alternative to WordPress, are you looking to move away from WordPress as the center of your right. core and such? So um, not, not like in the long run, yes. The, the idea is to open this up to, uh, to all of the other uh, uh, platforms that are out there. Uh, um, but that's not because uh, that's not because I don't enjoy the work like WordPress as a tool. I still love it and I still use it literally every single day. Um, as my point or like one one thing that happened specifically with our product is that uh, I didn't feel that it's a plugin anymore. So what we when we first started, or it's not a matter of feeling, the fact is that it's not a plugin anymore. Uh, when we first started, we started as a plugin company, we released a plugin that you install on people's website. And that's it. That's everything that we supported. And you know, that's that was the extent of the functionality, it was contained inside uh, the client's website, like every other plugin, if you will. Uh, but uh, over time, we saw the need for uh, creating like a way of managing the, the entire agency as well as, as multiple websites or dozens or hundreds of websites. We have users that have literally hundreds of websites connected uh, uh, on there. And that's when we launched our pro dashboard, as we call it. Uh, the pro dashboard is a full-on SaaS. It's Laravel and React, and, uh, and it runs on AWS, and you know, it, it has every single characteristics of, uh, of a SaaS company, uh, while, the, while what started as a plugin has become just the client interface. So in the same way, like Intercom has a plugin uh, to integrate their SaaS application to, uh, to someone's website or Zendesk has a plugin to integrate uh, some functionality in there. That's how we've been running for a little more than a year now. The thing is that everyone still see, saw us as a plugin and uh, plugins are priced very cheap because they have uh, uh, they have different overheads. They have different kind of uh, even cost of development is like completely different uh, around that. And uh, that really hurt us in terms of the positioning. People uh, uh, just seeing us as a single plugin while we are carrying the same duties and the costs and responsibilities as companies like Zendesk or Trello or Teamwork uh, uh, with uh, with our product. So like, uh, you know, 
we're still priced like a like a WooCommerce add-on. It's ridiculous, you know. So uh, so that is kind of um, a, that was a, what 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 I said. All right, I have to to have a, a, a very um, like big or uh, maybe like brave decision of uh, taking what the name has done for us, WP Feedback, which was awesome for the past 18 months, and just put a stop to that. And having people, first of all, not look at it. WP implies that it's a product, that it's a plugin. Uh, and the word feedback implies that that's all it does. It does it create feedback on a website. But, you know, like we're this is where we were. It's version 1.0. And uh, pretty much three, four months after that, we were already not a feedback plugin and not a plugin even. Uh, so, uh, so that is kind of um, a, that was kind of inspired the, ch the change that is coming later this month with version 2.0, where we're putting a lot more resources, even even more over to the dashboard side. Um, everything is like a, this version 2.0 is also gonna get us to a point where. Even though we started as a plugin that is installed, so all of the all of the data is inst was stored on the client's website, that is now being taken out as well over to our side. So the website stays clean, like Zendesk or Hotjar or uh, Active Campaign or you know all of these kind of uh, guys that have a plugin that just integrates via API. Uh, but yes, later this year, uh, basically because of uh, users' demand, uh, we're going to be expanding this to uh, a script. That you can deploy over to Webflows, or to Wix, Squarespace, wherever. I'm even uh, starting to look into creating uh, additional plugins for different platforms because having a plugin creates the level of flexibility uh, or an integration that you can't do with just a script. Uh, so that uh, that really helped us uh, create a product that works on the back end, the front end, and really you know, doing like one click push into the media folder, auto logins, all of those things that you can't do with just a script that doesn't really like properly integrates into the database. Uh, so um, we're looking into options for doing this for Shopify. I think that will be the first one after the script. And yeah, massive rebrand version 2.0. Very exciting. What's uh, the new name as well? It began with A, I think. Yeah, it's called the uh, Atarim. Atarim means websites in Hebrew, actually, which is my native we, yeah, language. Yeah, I think Nathan and I guessed it was a Hebrew word. Yeah. Um, so I actually to... went cool. with uh, uh, Andrew Andrew Palmer. He um, he kind of uh, I was talking to him about this, and uh, was thinking about different names and all of that. Is like, what's the problem? Just go to Google Translate and find something that kind of uh, applies. And it's such <laughs> a great exercise. And so uh, Atarim just made perfect sense because. Uh, uh, that's where the focus will still be, but it's still a broad word that no one really knows what it means, which means that the vision can expand with it uh, as opposed to a word like WP Builds that limits you, Nathan. You can't, yeah, yeah. Now, can't become a Magento expert with the WP Builds, right? Thank you. Thank Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to thank you for this move. It's actually a uh, very meaningful strategic move. Awesome. Good luck with that. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah, that is amazing. And um happening, I guess uh, in the, the end of this the... month with version okay. two point really Okay. Uh yeah, we're we've been working on it for for uh, like six months now. And um like like what 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 inspired this kind of uh you know, I was waking up, I was telling Nathan uh, before uh, we started the broadcast, 
Friday morning, I was, I'm waking up looking at my phone and I'm seeing people sharing the, the new website that is still, still being developed uh, on social media saying, <laughs> what happened to WP Fila? He's like, oh my the God. The cat is out of the bag. Yeah, I guess it comes from concern though, doesn't it? Because if, if you see something that you've become to rely on and, and somehow the media gets, gets hold of it, and in this case, it was Facebook groups got hold of it yeah. and it's out there. It's, you know, the, the full intention was that you would announce this in due course and probably write things so that they were as explanatory exactly. as possible but it would concern you wouldn't it you'd be like what yeah. the heck what 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 what, what? i'm yeah, relying sure. on this now mm. explain quickly which which now you managed to do in record time you said <laughs> yeah because so it was planned for a few weeks from now and everything that was ha was supposed to happen over the upcoming three weeks was crammed into three hours on friday yeah. that i woke <laughs> up and like had to deal with all of that yeah. so video was out and uh you know uh, but even more than that people were going into our uh, new the the new atarim website and seeing all of the feedback items that we had just internal discussions of uh of the different kind of like yeah maybe this needs to change so it was, uh, <laughs> uh, lessons learned lessons <laughs> learned um yeah that that congratulations well done thank you um the only question paul is can we can we have him back that's you know if he's not you wolf. Oh, that's right. okay <laughs> i'm the one chasing you nathan yeah, it's not yeah. the opposite. <laughs> um right let's move on a few quick things if that's all right i'm going to go through this really quickly a uh, couple of things to mention just a plugins really a few nice additions to the plugin universe Justin Tadlock mentioned this one. Uh, it's called Show and Hide Content via the Block Visibility WordPress plugin. So this is a dead simple little plugin. It allows you to currently uh, change based upon um, user role. Um, what else was there? there were, it's in that image there, which is now too small. I can't remember, but oh, date was another one. So essentially, this plugin will allow you to stick stuff on a WordPress page or post and simply say, show it at this time and then remove it at this time, which is, I think for a lot of people, this is the core functionality of a membership style plugin. Uh, show it to this particular user role or this particular user. There's a pro version coming. I did want to talk more about it, but probably with time running out, we'll just we'll just drop it and say, there it is. Looks really good. And Justin, as always, um, has a good look. Pro version coming out soon. The next one, I think, Paul, you should probably lead on this one because you've had a much more involvement with the guys over at Generate Press. They've got a new project. Um, well, actually, it's not a new project. It's just they've got a new angle on a previous project. They've got a pro version of Generate Blocks. Yeah, so Generate, Generate Blocks is um, a plugin for the block editor, and you don't need to use Generate Press or anything like that, but it's by the same people. It's by Tom Osborne at Generate Press, this plugin. So the core um, Generate Blocks plugin gave you, I think it was just three blocks, but you could do a ton of things with those. So they, they go down a different route than you know this block pack that has 30 blocks in it, for instance. Um, the Generate Press way is how do we make something have as much longevity as possible and that's Tom Osborne's decision-making process always. So he re released Generate Blocks, the, the free plugin, which pretty much whenever you see anybody trying to make an agency type you know, or a designer trying to make a website that looks something like what they might have made with Elementor or Beaver Builder or something like that, almost always they will fall back on the Generate Blocks plugin and use that because it's a plugin that gives you very intricate design control within the block editor compared to what it gives you 
by default. Now, they've just released, I think it was a couple of days ago, Generate Press uh, Blocks Pro. I think it's Friday, which, yeah. Um, it was Friday, yeah, and it gives you, again, it kind of gives the designer type person or the professional site builder all of the stuff that they asked for from Generate Blocks that they didn't have, but with holding back on some of the things that they might have asked for, but really they could do it another way. So this is what I would just call a very mature uh, way of approaching uh, intricate level design in the in the block editor. Uh, the pricing of the Pro plugin is $39 a year for one site, $69 a year for 10, and then $99 a year for 250, which that's the one I've gone with. Um, you can get a real feel of what is achievable with Generate, Press, uh, Generate Blocks Pro by looking at the the series of uh, templates that you get. With it. I think there's how many? Uh, 150 professional templates. I don't think that's full sites. I think that's different template layouts and stuff like that. They've all been, almost all of those have been done by a really awesome designer called Mike Oliver, who works for Generate Press and Generate Blocks. And I know that Tom and Mike have worked extremely closely for Tom to understand what a real professional designer genuinely needs out of the block editor. And all of that thought has gone into this. Um, the product is pretty awesome. Uh, if, if I was building a website in WordPress and I was going to be using the block editor, there's just absolutely no doubt this is what I'd be using. But I am a Generate Press fanboy. I will put that out there. So I am slightly biased, but I think that a lot of the community agrees as well. Uh, just to segue from this as well, Mike, the actual designer of um, all the templates in there, you can find his website at mikeoliver.me. Uh, he, in tandem with the launch of Generate Quest Blocks Pro, released his course. And his course is entitled How to Build Lightweight and WordPress websites with Generate Press and Generate Blocks. So if you go to his website and you want to learn how to use Generate Blocks to the level that allows you to do these kind of layouts, this kind of mobile optimization, and you want to learn that very quickly, then you can go and sign up to Mike's course on his website, Mike Oliver. MikeOliver.me. Yeah, it's MikeOliver.me forward slash generate press dash generate blocks dash course. It's kind of like a nice one-two punch, isn't it? Tom comes out with the pro version, and then somebody that works for him, but independently on more or less the same day, releases a course about how to how to do it. I think that's quite a nice, that's nice right. sim symbiosis. Just to say the, the pro version doesn't add any customize it. It doesn't add any more blocks. It's just the ability to customize things. So for example, on the screen, we're showing a screenshot of the additional options. So it's things like being able to add transitions and opacities and box shadows and transformations and all of this kind of stuff, you know, the the, the fun stuff in, in a way. Um, but you can build all of the layouts, although they might not look or at least they would be less easy to to create the sort of visual effects and so on and so forth. So uh, interesting pricing as well. You know, thirty nine dollars for the one license, and then what was it for two hundred and fifty? Something like two hundred and fifty sites or something. I think yeah, it's. What was I think uh, the. I think it was sixty nine dollars for ten sites, oh, and then ninety nine dollars for um, for two hundred and fifty sites. It's so interesting. Isn't it? Because yeah. we had this, we had the same thing from the guys at Grid Builder. Do you remember their lifetime yeah. deal? It just yes. went, it went for like one site to ten sites, and then it was I think nine hundred and ninety nine or something. And we got Tom doing the same thing. 
just fascinating what the rationale behind that is. I would imagine that most people just because it's not that much more will just go for this $99 deal just because yeah, 30, 30 bucks gets yeah. you 240 more sites. I think one of the cool things about this product as well, I mean, not just to big it up even more, but I am, I guess, is um, <laughs> that that these design templates that Mike has produced with the plugin have all been done with just th the three blocks that generate blocks the free version comes with and the, and the pro add-on, and mostly the core blocks that come with WordPress. So it's not like there's you know, 70 or 80 or even 250 different modules that are needed to create these designs. These designs look as detailed as the things that you see on the Elementor, you know, uh, templates and stuff like that. And what Generate Blocks is doing is proving that it's possible. So as much as I'm a massive doubter of the entire concept of, you know, the block editor, it's proof that it's doable. Can we see yeah. them? Are so, there any? Are there any ways? On I think if you go account? to, I think there might be a secret link. Uh, library .com. Try that. See if you can Lib get there. Library. We're not actually going. Oh, I can't spell. Um, we're not actually doing any naughtiness here, are we? Dot generate. No, I think you can find this link from within the plugin, Box. probably. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Uh, mm. I mean, this happened to Vito mm. anyway, didn't it? So you know, <laughs> um, it's all fair. So yeah, if you, I don't know if this is just the 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 uh, row blocks, nice. but I think all of the actual templates, the full page templates, are probably baked into the actual um, plugin itself. Probably. Okay. But I know you can have a sneak peek there for anyone who sees this link. So hopefully that's not going nice. to in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes. Library.generateblocks.com looks cool. Um, yeah. Max Vito, anything, or should we move on? I think that I want uh, to. Yeah, go on, Max. This time yours, Vito. All yours. <laughs> uh, so, like, uh, uh, you know, there's there's uh, these uh, all types of add-ons and plugins that are. Be I'll be right back. I'll be right yeah. Back. Cla classic, Paul. But uh, uh, what I, what I'm saying is that um, <laughs> uh, recently, like, oh, you know, since Gutenberg has been kind of moving, uh, uh, it's just been pushed out with so many limited features uh, or like lack of features uh it inspired like a full-on industry around it with a, a bunch of people that are putting a lot of faith in creating add-ons creating uh, plugins that are cre uh, doing some basic functionality that uh, i think the page builder should have had uh, the block builder should have had on its own to me it seems like such a risky business model because you don't know what's gonna come up next month on yeah. on Gutenberg and how long this product likes for now it looks amazing you know uh, but this is what I would expect from Gutenberg to have in its core you know the ability to do those uh, pretty basic stuff of uh, adding a you know background color and the border radius and uh, you know those kind of stuff mm. uh, so so I'm really interested in seeing like what uh, um, what kind of drives people to just put all of their faith or all of the, the entire business over something that is, you know, and it happened with other p builders before with, with Elemental as well. You know, they, they would release a feature that will make a plugin obsolete. Uh, and that's their prerogative. You know, that's the core product. They can add whatever they want onto it that makes sense. Um, but yeah, but this seems like a, like I, I just seems risky. It seems scary to me to do something yeah. like that to go down yeah. this route. 
He's he's lucky in that he's got a very um, this is to say Tom. Tom's got a very um, good reputation with his generate press uh, theme, and so I imagine he's going to bring a lot of people on board. Um, right. He already has a, an audience. He doesn't need yeah. to build it from scratch. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. Um, Max, sorry, you were going to say. Sure. So I want to say that this product uh, is impressive. I've not used it, but just looking at this preview, uh, it makes sense to me. And uh, I think this is like a good answer to those who think that there has, I mean, WordPress specifically, Gutenberg has reached its limits in terms of capacity to uh, for new products. See, like uh, Vito says, um, they have, the, I guess, better than the future of Gutenberg. Um, but right now it makes sense. Um, and I, I me myself being someone who is building WordPress websites, I'll definitely check it out. But maybe something happens tomorrow and they add this feature to Gutenberg itself. And then something may break. Mm, I mean, uh, business then what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then what? Then what are you going to do? This is um, the risk that they are taking. And um, But looking at the product right now, it makes sense. I find uh, the, the value that they propose. I'm looking beautiful. forward to a work with that. Yeah, it does look nice. Um, I've... I've I've bought it and I'm just going to have a play with it over the days and weeks to come. We'll see where we go yeah. with that. So there's certainly, there's certainly a risk, isn't there? With um, you know, with with developing alongside the block editor in Gutenberg, like Max was saying, that it's it's so, I wouldn't say, it's so um, young in its lifespan. The uh, the block editor that there's commercial opportunities right now, but it's risky because so much can change. And if someone sees an idea that's done really, really well, the spirit of WordPress is you can um, yeah. mimic that and build that into core. And I see a lot of the plugins that come out at the moment, for instance, the member, the membership type, micro membership type thing that we looked at just before this piece, to me um, has functionality that I could totally see being pulled into core and yeah. uh, there's a lot yeah. of plugins like that that I can see getting pulled into core. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it would be a risky thing to make the pro mm. version of that only to discover that somebody had actually I'd built like that. To, uh, uh, Nathan, I'd like to bring one more point about this. We actually had some, pro and actually have, uh, a similar product we did for um, Elementor. It's an extension for saving uh, styling for Elementor widgets and uh, saving them in the cloud and be using them in other WordPress pro sorry, Elementor projects, the same way you can save blocks and use as well in other, and it's actually working, but it's like uh, some time passed and Elementor team decided to give this feature. It's not exactly the same feature, but the global mm -hmm. styling that they uh, released later on, it was somehow overlapping with this feature. So um, we, we are not monetizing that product. It was just for more like a contribution to the community. But we actually and closely uh, saw this happening. So yeah, it's very risky. Right. You have to you have to predict a lot of things before taking such risks. But I do. I wish all the best for the generate risk guys. Yeah. Um, thank you. That was a nice little segue as well. I was going to talk about WP Scan, but I'll just simply mention that it's, it's quite an accolade. We had Ryan Dewhurst on the podcast a few weeks ago. Ryan does a fantastic job. It probably is very un underknown, shall we say, but he's the guy behind WP Scan, which and he's built 
I think it's fair to say, largely single-handedly, the, the WordPress vulnerability database, which a lot of the companies which you think are creating these vulnerabilities, it's actually him. The you know the more the more well-known um, companies in the WordPress space, he's actually sort of subletting his his list out to them in many cases, and he's been given this nice accolade. He can now create CVE numbers, which is really boring, but if you're into what he does, it's going to make his job a whole lot easier. In the future, we'll be able to identify WordPress vulnerabilities. He will be able to give them a number, making sharing of them a whole lot easier. So just a bit of a hat tip to Ryan, who has done this work tirelessly since 2014, I think, and has only recently come up with a way of monetizing it. So for years and years and years, he was just doing it for the, for the benefit of all of us. So thank you to Ryan. Well done. And don't know if this is going to affect you. I don't know if this is even mentioned worth, worth mentioning, but um, if you're a user of Facebook advertising, then iOS 14, now I'm not an iOS user, so I'm still going to be battered by Facebook adverts and it will still be as effective, but um, iOS 14, Apple have made it such that a, a setting which was previously, you had to find it, you had to bury into the settings and find this setting to switch it off. Well, now they've basically had it going to have it on by default, and it's going to prevent Facebook and presumably other people, but Facebook are the ones that are probably most in the firing line. It's going to present them being able to track you in quite the same way that they have previously. I think it's to do with sort of anonymizing tokens as opposed to them being able to literally follow you around. Um, so perhaps, you know, if like Vito does and like Max does, I would imagine both of you have been involved in Facebook advertising. The Apple side of things, which is a massive slice of it, you are going to struggle to make those adverts pay. And Facebook got up in arms. They put this um, kind of press release out where they were claiming that really it's all about the small businesses. This is wrong for the small businesses. No mention of the fact that they, you know, they track you all over the place and probably know more about you than is is sensible for a, a company to know. But uh, yeah, it's just a, an interesting piece of news. And I think because I use Android, this won't affect me. So it's kind of a bit of a bit of a non-article in my case. But I think this is the right decision from Apple. I think somebody needs to kind of put the brakes on what these tokens going around the internet can can find out about us. Mm. And so, next week on This Week in WordPress, Facebook deletes Apple's Facebook account. Yeah, yeah. Deletes Nathan's account. <laughs> That's right. That's and probably happen. mine now too. Yeah. And, and YouTube demonetizes this video. So. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, that that won't make the slightest bit of difference. So that's perfectly all right. But just interesting, you know. I think I think a company like Apple are the only people that can really pull this kind of thing off. I would imagine that Google wouldn't dream of doing something like this because it will hurt the the underlying proposition that Google has to make money out of Android, which is the same thing. Sell, yeah, selling adverts all over the place, just without the Facebook, you know, without the Google name attached to it. Um, so, like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna make a difference in terms of uh, you're seeing ads or not. You're still gonna see ads, uh, but it just makes a difference in terms of. That's what I, I, I understand. What Facebook is saying is, it's not gonna decrease the ads for anyone. All that it will do is it's going to make it harder for businesses to show you relevant ads. So yeah. you might see like a, 
uh, you know, uh, you might see like a foot fungi when you when you're uh, like a 12 year old or something like that, uh, because there is no way of targeting this just to Nathan, for example. It's uh, fascinating. But... <laughs> the, the... Are you implying that Nathan has foot fungi? I didn't fungi? say that. It depends yeah. on the pixel. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not going to react. There's, I'm showing a screenshot of what iOS is now going to show. And it really, it's the language that I think Facebook are objecting to. So, so this menu, which is on the screen, it was previously a menu you had to go and find, and you could basically set it on or off. But now, when you install iOS 14, or presumably when you buy a new iPhone with it installed, every time that you go to a new site, this is Ooh. the warning that you get. And it, on it's every worth, website. Yeah, well, that's uh, well. I don't know, in all honesty, but but here we are looking at the Facebook variant of it. Um, it says allow Facebook to track your activity across other companies and apps and websites. Sorry, other companies, apps and websites. And so the language is is interesting because I think most people, given that sentence, will say no. Yeah. Don't do it. Because what's the benefit to you of being tracked? I mean, I think a few of us it's understand not, that maybe you get a better ad, but yeah. it doesn't. But you don't want to be tracked. I think most of us have that kind of built-in tracking. Ooh, no, you know, if if they worded it, the terminology. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So what, like, what and, I like and it's, about it's this, only about that. It's so uh, it's only you. about the fact that uh, you can show, like, you know, you can serve ads that are relevant to what people are interested in. I like that. I don't think it's a bad thing from a, from a consumer point of view. You know, why do I need to see like ads that are irrelevant to me? At least show me something that can really help me get to the next step in everything in life. You know, instead of just random uh, uh, whatever. You know, uh, BT or uh, or uh, uh, Virgin Media kind of ads. You know, because that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just going to be going back like like you watch TV 95% of the ads are irrelevant to you because it's not focused yeah so I think part of it will be affected by this fear or this new things if this trending things that we have had about um, Facebook sharing WhatsApp data with Facebook in the midst of all these events there is this um, fear and lack of trust uh, people have, um, uh, you know, generated against uh, Facebook. So just like Nathan says, I'm, I guess many people will just say no. They don't like to be tracked, regardless of the the outcome. Maybe even the positive outcomes getting tracked. Just in this case, might have for them. They will see less irrelevant ads. They will see, you know, uh, more relevant ads if they don't say no. Uh, but yeah, there is this, mm, you know, mistrust uh, about uh, this kind of companies. And uh, yeah, it was another blow in the face of marketers by Apple, um, you know, maybe the second or third in the past years. So let's see how we can deal with it. Yeah. Um, a Facebook user, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. Um, the, the reason we don't know who you are is because you had to click a link above the, the actual video in Facebook and it allows StreamYard, which is the platform we use, it, allow, it allows them to track you. So it's probably the exact thing that we're talking about. Um, but yeah, the, the Facebook user, whoever you are, says, "Hey guys, um, it doesn't say turn off tracking. It says the app will the app ask app not to track, implying that the app might say, nah, I'm going to track you.' I don't think so. My understanding is that if you say no, you it really does sandbox the experience that Facebook can apply to that. But I could be wrong. Um, and the what idea is concerning of, um, you, like what you're saying, if it's going to be shown on every website, which means that every website of every client that has a pixel is going to be throwing those pop-ups. 
Which yeah, I don't know. You really would have thought that, yeah, you would have thought that they'd have maybe figured out that the Facebook Pixel can no longer work across the board. Don't know. Let's let's see what the how the dust settles and find this out. Um, I always leave tracking off everywhere again in the comments. Tracking on everywhere. I would rather see adverts. I might want makes for a better experience. Which beautifully segues to the last thing that we're going to do today, which is an article on the website. Let me just pop that on the screen. Um, and take that post off. It's from Kira McLean, who has made it a goal for herself during 2020 to stop using Google products, basically because she thinks the same thing about um, Google as we've just been talking about with with Facebook. And and so she's gone out of her way this year to try to replace all services that Google have their tendrils in. And so on the screen, there are things like, so she's going to replace Gmail with ProtonMail, Chrome, she's gone to Firefox Developer Edition, she's using DuckDuckGo, and imagine a laundry list of Google services that she has decided to replace. I actually, I was persuaded by this, and during the course of this week, I've, I've completely shot down Chrome. I've uninstalled it. No, I haven't. That's not true. I've basically taken it out of the dock on my Mac, and I've put a Chromium version called Brave on instead. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be quite so um, gung-ho as she is, but I'm interested to see what drawbacks there are for me if I try a different browser for a while, if if I sort of can get myself away from Google. Um, so that's just an experiment that I'm carrying. You may notice, I don't know if you see the UI of the of the browser that I'm using, but it's it's brave and it has this nice little feature here, which it may not show because I'm in a incognito window. It shows you um, what what trackers are happening on the current session that you're using. And you can then take take appropriate action if you like. But uh, yeah, I'm convinced. I think she's got a good point. I'm not going to go nuts. I'm you know I'm going to use Google Drive. I'm going to use Google Maps, but I'm going to stop giving Google for a period of time everything, every single thing that I browse on the internet through the Chrome browser. I switched out of Chrome mostly because it just kept crashing all the hmm. time. Uh, um, so, um, but even with uh, with uh, I'm using Edge now, uh, which is also Chromium, which is kind of uh, you know based on the same concept. Uh, but uh, but I do find myself using uh, Incognito as a default. Uh, you know, like when I browse around uh, the internet, especially on my uh, on my phone and my iPad, it's just like the standard is that it's gonna open something in Incognito. Uh, and huh, yeah. Okay. So I'm, ho I'm hoping that that does it, even though you, you don't know. You, you never know. They're still tracking <laughs> you there. One of the features <laughs> in... can still track you. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you yeah. get you use a VPN and then... You, well, that's VPN another and, thing. VPN but also, and, and that, yeah. no, this Brave browser comes with... An, look, check, check this out. One of the options is to open up a new private window with Tor. Um, hang on, I wasn't showing the screen. So look at this. I'll just turn, turn Christopher's comment off. So you can go incognito... But you can also go incognito, and that window will be served through the Tor network, which I just thought was fascinating. Is that a VP? Is that like a free open source VPN or something? It's not or really a VPN, VPN, but it's it has similar. It basically separates up your your web browsing experience, sends it to multiple right. different locations, and then rebuilds it. It's much slower, but it is provably more secure. Not perfect, but very very close to perfect. It stands for the Onion Router, or they say router elsewhere, but. Um, I just thought that was an interesting privacy feature. So you wouldn't even need a VPN, but your browsing experience would be much, much slower. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris, 
in the comments says, Ugh, uh, I couldn't do all of that. It's my worst nightmare. <laughs> Back to the days of things not working with each other. Yeah, I get it. I'm going to see what bits of it I just can't drop and which bits of it I can and see what I works. got a message for Chris. I think uh, I can imagine Chris uses, you know, the full Google suite and says yes to everything on Facebook and 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 probably gets a lot of adverts for lifetime deals for SaaS software as well, most likely, which makes me wonder, which makes me kind of join the link up with Chris because he's uh, probably a bit of a legend in uh, in terms of being one of the most prolific buyers of SaaS software, as he's well admitted on this show a number of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, so Chris, yeah. you might want to switch and it might save you some money. It's so it, the, the the proposition of these combined services, you know, the stuff that Google provide ostensibly for free. We all know what that means, right? You are the product, but mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. You know, my kids are on homeschool, and literally, it couldn't be done without Google Classroom. This completely free suite of products, which Google built several years ago for a situation exactly like a global pandemic, where no, no kids can go to school. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I do not know what schools would have done without it. So it's not that I've got an axe to grind against Google. I'd just like to yeah. experiment and see see if my experience is changed by, by just so opting now, out. So now they're tracking way. your kids. Yeah. Oh, my God, so much. <laughs> Actually, no, I think, I, I think there are bits in the terms and conditions that you sign that are different because it's it's geared towards yeah, children's use. Yeah. But I I still I imagine they're taking anonymized metrics of you know what works, what doesn't work, but not perhaps attached to an account name or what have you. Um, yeah, interesting. Lifetime deal hoarder twenty twenty one. There he goes. I've got the trophy pull. Right for sure. <laughs> I'm done. I think we've done. Unless anybody's got anything are. they want to drop, yeah. say it now. Otherwise, we'll knock it on the head. I like to I like to thank you, uh, Nathan and uh, Paul and Vito. It was nice to meet you guys, and thanks everyone who watched this show. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Thanks again, Max. It is so thanks, pleasant, thanks. isn't it? Uh, like Paul and I constantly say when the show's finished, God, that was that was so enjoyable. I really enjoy doing this. Yeah, me um, too. It's just nice, especially now that we're all trapped inside. It's more pleasurable than it ever was. Just having a having an hour, hour and a half in this case, just to chat through and shoot the breeze with some like-minded people hang out wonderful. yeah just hang out it's wonderful so firstly thank you to Vito thank you to Paul uh, thank you to Max and thank you to anybody who joined us uh, if you've got any comments to make stick them in YouTube comments or stick them on the Facebook post whatever you like wherever you like and we'll have a podcast out on Thursday and we're back next Monday 2 p.m UK time take it easy <laughs>